Design it, craft it, smith it, stitch it, tool it, and pick it. We do it all. This is Bespokelahoma. Musical intro by Allie Harder and Pig Supply Shop out of Oklahoma City. Welcome to another episode of Bespoke Oklahoma. That was my co-host Dustin Clark with Clark Leather Creations and I'm Melissa Golden with Possible's Leather. We are broadcasting as always out of Traditions Leathercraft Studio 7500 West Reno Suite 200. We are fortunate enough today to have the man himself Casey on the podcast with us today. Casey, do you want to uh, take the reins on my spot of telling the good folks what Traditions Leathercraft has to offer this week? Well, thank you. Yeah, welcome everybody. And um, the, the biggest thing we have going on is kind of uh, twofold, three really, but two, two main things I'd like to focus on. And that is tomorrow, April 1st, is a special anniversary. So I decided to be open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this weekend. And we're going to put the whole store on sale. So there's too many individual items to list. But uh, some of the things we're going to do is cowhide rugs for a, a $150 a rug. I've got two brand new pallets of some beautiful SB foot chrome tan sides coming in that will blow out at $250 a square foot. I mean, if you haven't been in in a while, you're going to be amazed at all the leather we have. And then the other thing is Jim Linnell will be here Friday He'll get here Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, he's teaching a figure carving class. And I'll let you introduce Jim here in a second, but we'd like to invite all of our listeners to come by, meet Jim, check out his pattern packs, and uh, possibly even get an autographed copy and look at some of the beautiful leather work he'll bring up. Uh, I also have some house cleaning from last week. I mentioned that... uh, Sheraton Sheridan hotels are more than likely sold out. One of our listen, listeners, I, if you're listening, I'm sorry, I'm gonna ruin your last name, but El- <laughs> Elton Juricity messaged me on Saturday. He had listened to the show, and he said uh, to call the hotels. A lot of the a lot of the rooms up there they have reserved specifically for the Sheridan show. And when you look online, they'll look booked. So you got to call them and ask them or tell them that you're coming to the show and how many show rooms are booked and are open. So there could still be more available. You just got to give them a call and see how many are there. Um, also, this is kind of a side subject. I saw this morning and I thought it was funny. Uh, I have some weird friends and some of them were, you know, talking about how your phone listens to you, right? Like, you could talk about cat food and go look on Facebook and you'll see ads for cat food. But there's one uh, piece of machinery that you have in your house that you should worry about more. And it's your vacuum because it has dirt on you. It's been collecting dirt on you for years. <laughs> so Melissa, you probably better take over this conversation. Yeah. It is degraded quickly. So as mentioned earlier, we actually have 
uh, Jim Linnell with us on Bespoke Oklahoma today. Um, I'm sure to talk about uh, the class at Traditions a little bit this weekend, but also just to tell us some about himself. Now, we as Okies, uh, we like to give a lot of crap to, to our friends to the south. Uh, but I tell you what, Jim Linnell is really an exceptional leather crafter, and I know that he will have uh, some wonderful tidbits of, of wisdom and hopefully a couple good stories for us today. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. How are things up north? It's wonderful. A little, little wetter and wilder than normal, but... Well, that's the time of year it is. Yes, it is. So, so Jim, you have been in the leather craft industry for quite some time. Can you tell us how you got into it? Oh, yeah. So here you're going to date me again. Um, <laughs> so I've, been, I've been doing leather work for a long time. I, um, In fact, I was asked this just this week uh, by someone, um, and I added it up. I've actually, my, I got my first beginner's kit 55 years ago this year. So um, I've been at it a long time, and, and fortunately I had the, the opportunity to spend my life uh, in the leathercraft industry, for the most part, I it's been uh, it's been really a privilege to spend those years uh, uh, working within the industry and and uh, I guess just growing in in what I love to do, you know. Now, so. would that have been a Tandy kit fifty five years ago? Yeah, fifty five years ago. Um, you wanted some stories, so you're going to get some. Um, Perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I grew up in Montana. I, 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 you can give Texans all the grief you want because I'm not uh, officially I'm not a Texan. One. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a Montanan, and we give everybody that lives down this direction grief. So, um, <laughs> the, um, I grew up in Montana, and and uh, up there back in those days, we used to be able to. Um, take uh, a class in junior high and high school called industrial arts where among other things they used to have um, opportunities to try different disciplines woodworking metalworking ceramics and leatherwork was one of those and I got my first taste of it um, then and and uh, I just totally harassed my parents until they got me a uh, what in the day was called a lucky seven toolkit it was just those six basic tools that everybody starts out with in a swivel knife and uh, I started with it then and then in high school I got a chance to um, continue with that uh, taking industrial arts and you could actually focus in on the leather now in all honesty I took that class in high school because it was an easy grade and I wouldn't have to work too hard um, it, <laughs> well, it, and I'm good at it. I mean, I, I discovered early on that it was uh, it was an easy thing for me to do. And and uh, yeah, like I said, I could get a, a good grade and didn't have to work that hard. So anyway, that's kind of how it all started. And then along the late way, yes, I did spend almost 40 years working for Tandy Leather Company, uh, which let me live and make my living in in the in an just a, the greatest industry in the world, um, the world of leatherworking. How, um, how did you uh, start your career with Tandy? Okay, another story. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it, it, the way it started, I, when I got out of high school, um, I, uh, well, I was working uh, highway construction and uh, in Montana. That means it's kind of seasonal. Um, you don't get to do that much work outside during the winter months. So uh, I went in one um, 
winter, I, you know, we were laid off from, from doing that work and went in and asked one of the saddle shops here in Miles City. I said, do you guys ever um, have people ask about custom leather work or anything like that? And they said, yeah, we do, but uh, we don't really have anybody that does that right now. So, um, uh, you know, we don't have that. And I said, well, I, I actually do that kind of stuff. And they looked at me. I was, uh, you know, a young kid then and they didn't really know that this guy might actually know what he's talking about, but they gave me a chance. They actually were a, a, a Tandy leather distributor uh, back then. They had these dealer programs and he was, they were a dealer. So they handed me a, a wallet kit and they said, well, we got this, uh, an order. We had somebody today that wanted a, a wallet and you know, if you want to do it up, we'll see how you do. And, and so I took it home and built this wallet and I actually took it back to them the same day. And they, they looked at it and, and they looked at me and they said, um, uh, did you have this already made or what? I, said, oh, I went home and, and did that. And it was better than they were expecting. So anyway, for the next four years or so, um, I did all the custom leather work out of this saddle shop. Um, and it was, uh, it was great. I mean, it, it was great for me. Um, I got to where I didn't enjoy it quite so much because I ended up doing a lot of those same basic patterns over and over and over again, which I hated that. I want to do something different every time I did leather work. But in hindsight, it was probably really good for me because um, it made me get better at what I was doing. You know, doing the same Honing pattern the second time, you can you can do it better the second time than you did the first time. And, you know, I was forced to do that. So anyway, how did that get me to Tandy? Well, I was working construction. And um, in fact, I, I actually had uh, also contracted with a saddle maker was doing all his saddle carvings for him too. And, uh, and, but when construction season started up, I would take all that stuff with me and then I'd, you know, um, do, do my job during the day. And then at night I'd be stamping on leather, um, in, in the, by a hotel or wherever I was staying. And anyway, I was, uh, we were doing a job in Billings, Montana, um, one time and, um, in, in this would have been in 1978, and uh, I happened to pick up the newspaper and saw that Tandy Leather was looking for. They had like uh, management opportunities or career opportunities, something like that. And I said to myself, you know, <laughs> that'd be about the greatest thing ever. Here I am, you know, the mm -hmm. stuff I really like to do, I have to do in the evening. And anyway, so I went and checked it out. But you know, at the time. We were doing this job. It was, I don't know if you've ever been around creosote piling, but it, it's kind of nasty, messy, greasy work. And yep. uh, so I was in coveralls, you know, and Tandy closed early enough in the day that I had to go, like, go straight from work there. And so I walked into Tandy Leather. Um, <laughs> and I, I was wearing coveralls. I had a hard hat on. My hair was probably uh, to the point of my shoulders. My beard was probably that same kind of length. Um, and, and yeah, and covered in grease and, you know, wearing a hard hat. Anyway, I walked in there and I looked, I said, I hear you guys are looking for some help. And, uh, boy, I got some strange looks. Let me tell you. <laughs> they, they, they wanted to help you out the door. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they you know, didn't, weren't sure about this. This guy kind of looked out the corner of his eye and, Said, well, fill out this application and bring it back. Would that so have been Kermit Creek? No, this would have been the predecessor to him. There, that was a guy by the name of Bill Piper. Okay. Um, was uh, was who who that was? But he uh, he said, uh, yeah, fill this out. And so anyway, I, I brought it back on a Saturday after I you know I had a chance to clean up. It looked a little more presentable, and I actually <laughs> took some leather work with me 
and showed him that, yeah, I really do kind of know something about leather work. And they was impressed with that. And then he found out, see, this this uh, dealership, the folks at Tandy had told these, these people that ran this dealership that, you know, if you teach classes, you could get people interested in doing leather. You could actually grow your sales, you know, if you would teach classes. And so they had conned me into doing some teaching um, <laughs> in their store. So when... When the, the guy at the, when Bill Piper found out that I know how to do leather work, um, and I actually teach classes, um, I, you know, he said, oh, you, the job's yours, you know, when can you start? And he was, he was impressed. That was kind of the needle in the haystack they were looking for. And so I asked him, I said, well, um, uh, what does it pay? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> Because I was working, like I said, highway construction, and it was like union scale. And back then, in like 1970, it's like 15 bucks an hour, which was a lot of money. Um, but it was seasonal. You you only made that money when you were working. You didn't make that year round. So and it was quite um, a bit of work, I'm sure. But yeah, it was. But it, it, but again, it was it was pretty good. So anyway, I said, well, well, what's minimum wage? Because I really didn't know the term. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, he said, "Well, it's uh, and I think it, I think at the time I think it was three thirty-five an hour, um, and uh, he said it's three thirty-five an hour, but you get a lot of hours, you know." <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, "You know, I did a big swallow that fifteen to three thirty-five an hour. Now, how am I going to sell that?" You know, that's what I went to work for in 1989 here in Oklahoma City as a manager trainee, three thirty-five yeah. an hour. But you get overtime. Yeah, you get overtime, and uh, well, now, Jim, anyway, how I, long would you have been doing leather work at this point? By that time, oh, uh, let's see, I'd have been probably, probably, uh, I don't know, probably ten years. You know, by then. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I I've been at it for a while, at least. You know seriously doing it for and, and doing it and making you know some pretty good money off of it on the side um, um so anyway it was yeah anyway i i went home and told my wife here i got an idea uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, it took a lot of uh soul searching for both of us really um it, but basically, it came down to that, you know, we were young, and we did have one child by then. And, and it came down to, it, you know, if we don't do something like that, if we don't make that kind of a of a move at this age, we'll never do it when we get older, you Jim, know. Did you did you tell her at that point you were going to have the opportunity to move all around the country? No, we didn't have a clue. I, that, my that my goal the then was I, 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 I got to work me. it. I got to work indoors, you know. I didn't have to work outside. I got to work, work inside. I got to work uh, year round. Uh, I got to work in the leather business, and um, anyway, but you know, it, it came down. She had to go to work. My wife did, and she did, um, and uh, it wasn't easy. Uh, you know, that we, it was it was pretty tough. But you know, all of those things that had made me make that decision my my love for leather working the my desire to to be in and around it that that actually made me a good manager i i had a lot of success as a manager i i, I did i taught the classes i i showed people how to do leather work and you know what they would go buy the things that i showed them how to use and you know it was a win-win deal and um so that i had a lot of success and i eventually you know 
moved through various levels of management and that's ultimately how I ended up in Texas. So, um, but it, that, that was, that was the, how I got started. And, you know, now, golly, I can, in hindsight, it looks like a genius. I mean, um, I, I now get to travel all over the country, all over the world. In fact, um, teaching people how to do leather work. And can you imagine your kid comes home and says, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to go to college. Here's what I'm going to do when I grow up. Um, I'm going to become this world renowned leather worker and I'm going to have <laughs> people who are going to pay me to come and, and, and teach them and show them how to do leather. Work. You know how, you know, how many people uh, have a job description like that, you know? Yeah, you would you would uh, think they were crazy, and my parents thought I was crazy. <laughs> quitting, a, quitting a good paying job to go to work for minimum wage—that was just about the stupidest thing they could think of. But it worked out. Well, at least your at least your wife didn't think you were crazy. We we talk a lot on this podcast about very supportive spouses. Oh yeah, couldn't have done that. It, it's a a tag team effort, and has been since uh, since well. So far this year, it's been a tag team effort for 46 years. Um, so, um, and uh, it, it, uh, yeah, that couldn't have done it otherwise. So, how long did you work for Candy? Um, it was just shy of 40 years. I, I, uh, in fact, this month I uh, officially been retired for five. In fact, yeah, my wife just said tomorrow. Five years ago, tomorrow, I, I retired. Um, it was uh, so, at, and at that point, it wasn't quite forty years, like thirty-nine and change, um, that I had uh, worked for them, and uh, it was uh, it was a great, great place to spend a spend a, a good piece of my life. Um, now, did you retire, retire, <clears throat> or did I, you just decide to go your own way and start the Elk Tracks Studio? Well, um, Elk Track Studio kind of evolved from that. Obviously, I had never planned on quitting doing leather work and having nothing to do with it. I mean, that that was never part of, of the plan. I was going to do leather work. In fact, I built this really cool shop in my backyard mm-hmm. uh, with the intention that when I retire, I'll have a place to go work with leather and so forth. And I put in a few extra tables and, and set it up so that people could come here and take classes and and that really just kind of exploded within the first week. Yeah, when I was working for Tandy, I couldn't go everywhere and do everything. I had a desk I had to manage, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I was uh, not uh, there. Were, it wasn't for, for lack of opportunities to go teach. But I, you know, I had I, I was a, I was an executive. You know, I had responsibilities and, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, but the week I retired, I remember I got like invites to go uh, like four different places. Can you come out now? Now that you're retired, can you come out here and teach a class? You know, and it just exploded. And I didn't expect that at all. Um, I didn't expect that at all. The uh, the whole thing with the videos and the stuff that we do at Elktrax, we're, we're now over, we've now produced uh, well over 120 videos, uh, instructional videos on different parts, of, uh, different types of leatherworking. Um, and in that five-year time, and... Um, the uh, um, that that's something that just kind of evolved as well because I had been trying to har- uh, harass those whom I worked with. I that's a good way to say I wasn't a pain in the <laughs> rear, certainly, but um, I I did 
telling that, you know, technology is coming along. You know, there are people that are living on a ranch out, you know, in in uh, western Oklahoma somewhere that do not have a Tandy store nearby or any place to go learn how to do leather work, but they probably do have Internet. And, you know, we could probably teach classes online if we if we did that. And I just couldn't get anybody to buy into that, um, <laughs> over that company. So when I got retired, I, I got with one of my former, uh, actually, he used to work for me, uh, Michael Magnus. He uh, was one of my employees there. He uh, went on to become a professor at one of the universities down here. But uh, anyway, he, he kind of started uh, uh, helping me with that technological side of that. And, and so we started doing the videos and holy smokes, you know, it, it was actually it was it was perfect timing, so to speak, because by the time then COVID came around and just decided to shut the world down, mm. um, we already had this video thing going on. And um, man, uh, uh, in fact, last time what, in, in 2020, the year, you know, everything was probably most affected. I did a rough estimate of how many people I might have taught or instructed in basic leatherworking skills that year. And it was somewhere, I, 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 it, it, it was tens of thousands of people. Wow. Um, and I, and it, it, I would do a class online. I was doing a lot of free ones for Tandy. I kind of went to the uh, new folks that are running Tandy or were running Tandy at the time. And I said, y'all ain't doing anything. And here you have people that are stuck at home and they need something to do. And what a great opportunity this is for um, you know, to get leather work in front of these folks and give them a chance to practice the skills that you all keep saying they need to learn. And anyway, they didn't have the the uh, ability to reach out like that, but I did. I'd, I'd already kind of put that together. And so I started doing um, online classes for them. And I would have like 300 people learning leather work from me, uh, you know, from all over the world. Um, and it was it was just, it was amazing how, how that caught on. Now there's others doing the same thing. I, And I'm, I'm excited about that. There's availability of more leatherworking instruction today than there has ever been before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If somebody wants to learn this, it's their own fault if they don't, because there's lots and lots of opportunities to, to learn these skills or get started in it, you know. So for someone who might be interested in taking one of your online classes, how, how, can you kind of walk us through how they work and what well, they all need of, to do? Sure. Um, all of the classes that we've ever taught online, um, we, we well, just to tell you how that works, we have uh, online classes and people sign up to them and they are, they're actually live. You know, if you people can tune in and be a part of it live and, but well, we mute all the microphones. And so we just let them type in the questions and such so that we can get a good recording um, of that. But those then are all, recorded and so that library uh, is made up of a lot of those the people that sign up for those classes they pay thirty dollars for one of those classes and uh, they go through a particular topic or a particular project and uh, and then they those that sign up for the class actually then get to download the video so that they they can watch they can watch me say the same things over and over again until they get sick of me um, <laughs> Uh, if they want, but I, you know that it's their video; they own it, and then that video is made available. Anybody else that missed the class or wasn't into leatherwork at the time that class went on, they can then uh, 
um, they can still download that same video. It still costs them 30 bucks. They can still get the same instruction. So anyway, it, and it, it covers everything. We've got people now doing uh, classes on, on braiding, on pictorial stuff, on um, airbrush. Yeah, we had a class last week on, on using an airbrush on leather. And um, those are, like I said, they're all out there available. So um, And they're not just taught by you. You have other instructors on Oh, right? yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I've got recently we, we just uh, added – uh, Kathy Flanagan to the the list of those that are uh, teaching for us. She's done a couple of pictorials for us now and, and is eager to do more and will be doing more. But um, an Al Stolman Award winner, I mean, that, that's pretty tall company there you know, the, to, to learn from. And, you know, these same people, um, Kathy and Annie Libertini is another one, Cheryl Katsky, uh, Daniel Reach, the, uh, and, and yours truly. Um, they are... Uh, uh, you go to some of these shows like up at Sheridan. I heard you talking about Sheridan there earlier uh, at Sheridan, a, um, a two day class or a, well, even a half day class is up there. It, it's going to probably average about 90 bucks uh, for a half day class. You know, so you get basically the same stuff condensed into two hours in these videos um, for a third of the price. So um, it, it's a pretty good deal. And, uh, you don't even have to go to Sheridan and get you a room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can actually sit at home and, and do this. So, um, but yeah, they, it's uh, uh, it, it's it's easy to learn. And uh, the place you find that I, I had to mention the website. Uh, it's at elktrackstudio.com. Um, that's that's where all that stuff can be found. And there's some patterns and stuff there too. One of the other things that we did, and Casey, you'll remember. Uh, fellow by the name of Rob Barr. Um, oh yeah, Rob. man, he he's the guy that kind of um, started this whole thing about the extreme embossing and such. Um, did you ever have him teach at your store? I had him teach at my store three times, but the first time I met him, I drove down to the old Hyde Crafters building, and you and Becky Moon and Rob was teaching a class on a embossed deer head. Man, I was just blown away. Yeah, well, that, uh, you know, and of course, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He, um, but he did do a lot of videos um, that when he was at High Crafters, that's in, in fact why he was there is because he would teach a class or two, yes, but he would then also be doing uh, some uh, uh, some videos with, with George and they got recorded anyway. When Hyde Crafters spooled up and and just no longer were around anymore, those videos kind of disappeared for a while and uh, within the last uh, you know, couple of years, I've been able to um, get the rights to those. So he, um, all of those videos that he did um, are now available again uh, as a digital download. We had to go through some wow. conversion uh, processes to get those converted from, because if you remember, those are some big old cameras they were using and they were put on, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, uh, film loops type stuff. But anyway, we got them converted into a digital format so that people can now download those videos that um, and and that he he created and and he really was uh, an influential person. You can't go um, to like one of these guild shows or something like that and not see people using the skills that he taught. He left his mark on this industry, and I, I'm just thrilled that we can that we still have him teaching. And um, Rob, was, Rob was so excited to teach it as he was to produce the awesome work he was doing. 
Oh yeah, he was he he was a character too. I mean, you get a little of that in the videos, although he he held himself back somewhat. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah. Go so ahead. You, all, you also do uh, you teach classes there at your Elk Track Studios? Um, do you do like full classes? Do you do private lessons? And what do those lessons usually entail? Um, well, yes, we do all of the above. In fact, last weekend we had a, a workshop here. It went for two and a half days. Uh, we did, a, it was a, a class on pictorial carving um, and was done within a silhouette. Um, uh, and if people want to find out about those classes and such, um, I usually post them out. I have a couple of Facebook pages out there. Elk Track Studio Creations is one. And then Jim Linnell's Elk Tracks Studio, I think, is the other one. Anyway, we, they're posted out there whenever we have something coming up. Um, but we also have a newsletter. If, if people go to the website, they can sign up for that newsletter. And we try to get a newsletter out about once a month uh, telling people about, you know, what's on the agenda as far as classes and stuff like that. So anyway, that's what was done last weekend. We we went to that class. Obviously, this coming weekend, I'm going to be in Oklahoma City um, mm -hmm. doing uh, – we're going to do a uh, – uh, scissor tail. Um, and it's going to be that the skills being taught there will be, you know, we'll be doing some of that embossing. We'll be doing some figure carving. Um, we'll, um, we'll also uh, end up doing some, some coloring. So we're going to try to bring him to life as much as we can over, over two days there. So um, that's coming up. So I do those, but yes. And then in addition to that, um, I have uh, <laughs> private classes that we do here all the time. And, and, I'm always amazed um, at how far people travel for those. Um, I had, uh, well, in fact, yesterday, I had a lady here from Ohio um, that uh, was here for a, a full day class. Um, a couple weeks ago, I had a lady fly in from, um, from Los Angeles uh, that spent two days here. You know, get and she's at a beginner's level. I mean, she wanted just, how do I get started and, and so forth. And the reason was... Um, there was no, there's nothing like this out there where she's at, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so she did. And I'm always humbled by that because yeah, I charge a little bit for those classes, but that's a drop in the bucket. You're talking about somebody that had, has airfare and a rent a car and hotels and all of that just to come and take a couple of days classes. I mean, my gosh, that was an expensive thing for her. Yeah. I, I'm always just in awe that people well, I'm excited that people are that eager to learn this craft, but I'm in awe that they would, that they would, uh, I, I come here to learn from me. I, I, I give them everything I got when I can, you know, I try to make sure they get, get what they came here to do. So, but we do classes on anything. When, when people set up a private class, they kind of get to tell me what they want to learn. Um, now I look at their stuff and tell them what I think they need to focus on, um, mm. you know, I <laughs> give them guidance that will be helpful to them. But, you know, if they come here and want to learn how to make a knife sheath, well, guess what? We're going to make knife sheaths, you know, or whatever that is, uh, because that's that's what, you know, what they want to do. So that's how those kind of work out. And it really gets interesting after a while to um, find open dates on, on the calendar sometimes, you know, that, that work for me and work for them. So, you know, that yeah, this retirement thing turned into a lot more work than I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I, I really wasn't, I never dreamed that it would. I, I've been, um, I, in fact, I'm supposed to go back to, to Norway um, 
as soon as you know travel gets a little bit more reasonable and and such i, I we had my wife and i had tickets bought to go over there and teach a class i've taught over there i think four or five times um and uh um, and there are other opportunities. I, I'm supposed to go to Germany and teach. And, and yeah, my gosh, how awesome is it that you get to do what you love? And there's people that, that are that eager to learn from you that they would, they would pay you to, to go there. I, 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 I can't tell you how blessed I am. It doesn't um, get any better than that. I, I, am, I am so richly blessed to do what I do. And, and the better part of all of that, and, and you know this too, Casey, is the friends you make. Yeah. You know, the people that we, that we deal with in the world of leatherworking, they're better than your average folks. Now, I, I know I'm biased. <laughs> I, I know it. But, I mean, they're, they're people that don't mind getting their hands dirty. They're, they're people that, that enjoy being creative. They, they um, are willing to put, invest themselves into their projects. And um, they're just salt of the earth kind of folks that we get to deal with and that's true no matter where you find them in the world there's, mm-hmm. there's just something about about leatherworking that is that is unbelievable um and and yeah elk truck studio here um it became it became a lot more than i ever dreamed that this shed in my backyard would would turn into <laughs> um i've got uh, uh jürgen bullback you all probably have heard that name he's uh, a recent Al Stolman Award winner a couple of years ago. Um, anyway, he's going to be here the first weekend in June teaching a class here. Um, we've got, uh, I'll probably have Andy Libertini here later this year as well. Um, so I, you know, this, this gets used by a lot of other folks besides just me. It's become kind of a, a kind of a, I guess, a, a have to stop place for leather workers. I, I get people that just stop in once see all the stuff I got hanging on the walls in here. I was going <laughs> to say you've got a lot of pretty famous pieces hanging on your wall. Oh and, gosh, and yeah. Was, which was going to be one of my questions. Can you go into a little bit about some of the famous leather workers you've had the opportunity to meet and learn from and pick their brains? I have brains of a lot of unfortunately some gone. Um, I, but I, you know, just to give you, uh, I, but I've ended up with some of their work that while they may be gone, their leather work is still here teaching people come in and, and look at some of this work and, and they, they learn things by studying it, you know, things that, that they, they didn't know they did. I've got a belt here done by Don King and yeah, I got to know Don King. He's kind of considered the father of the Sheridan style stuff, but you know, I got one of his belts here people can come in and, and look at that, uh, uh, I've got stuff here from uh, Don Butler, another Al Stolman Award winner. Uh, Don, uh, Bill Gardner, he's the guy that wrote the book on Sheridan style carving. I got a carving of his here. Um, got some stuff here by Ray Holes. If you've heard of the Northwest style of leatherworking, he's kind of considered the father of that. He was up in uh, I can't remember up in Oregon was where his saddle shop was. Became uh, very well known for a particular style. I've got stuff here from uh, Ray Poya. Um, he was uh, the guy at, down at Porter Saddlery in, in, in Phoenix, Arizona, he's kind of the, the guy that originated a lot of what we know as that Porter style of leather carving. I've got pieces of work in here from Al Stolman, Ken Griffin, uh, Rob Barr. Uh, uh, let's see, there's uh, Bill Gomer over there. Um, I, 
<laughs> you probably anybody George you Hurst, I mean, oh you gosh, could go got on lots and of on George, and on, couldn't you? Yeah, lots of George Hurst stuff in here. Uh, yeah, it does go on and on. Um, I've got, uh, and and it's a if, last time I counted, I think I have leather work in here from, I think it's thirty-one different Al Stolman Award winners. Wow! Um, Goodness. Um, and I don't know. There's a few I don't. I haven't been able to get some, but I, it's yeah. These are the people that we look up to. Uh, I look mm-hmm. up to them. I learn from all of these folks. Um, it's it's not hard for me to come out to my shop and get inspired. You know, there's some amazing stuff here. Hong Hao Si, that fellow from China that uh, won the Stolman Award a few years ago. Just we recently, within the last month, I, he sent me a piece of his leather work to put in here and. Uh, we horse traded. He's got a gallery kind of a thing going on over there. So I sent him a piece of mine and he sent me one of his. So, um, but it, it really is a, um, a privilege uh, to be able to spend my life doing what I love to do. I, and I hope that comes across um, when I teach. I, I try, I, I, I teach because I love it. I, I do leather work because it's, it's absolutely the neatest stuff in the world to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, um, if they, people ever think that, yeah, he's just here to, um, you know, to convince me to buy something or whatever, <laughs> I don't have anything to sell. I, all I've got is my knowledge. I don't, you know, yeah, a couple of patterns that I did, but that's again, way to pass on my knowledge. But well, that was going to uh, be my next question. You can you tell us about how many different pattern packs you have? And then before you answer that, we've invited people to come in this weekend and, pick up a purchase or purchase a pattern pack from you. And if you have time, you might be able to autograph it for them. Oh yeah. I'll so be glad to do different pattern packs. Do you have? Um, well, I don't know. Um, I think I have them all here, but I could be wrong. I think you, I think you do. I'll, I'll bring some, some more along in case you don't have enough, but, um, and, uh, yeah, I've got, I'll bet there's probably eight, 10, maybe, I don't know. Um, I, one of the things I might bring along, um, I've got, I did a, a project a few years ago. Well, in fact, it was in 2016. Um, I did a project. They had a reunion here in Fort Worth. Um, it was a reunion of the cast and crew that did uh, the Lonesome Dove movie, uh, that series that was on. Um, and they brought them together in 2016 here in, in uh, Fort Worth to, uh, well, it, it was a fundraiser. They All of the props and all of the things that they used in the filming of that series is actually in uh, a collection and in a it's in in a, at uh, down at San Marcos in the at Texas State University. Anyway, they they wanted to make sure that they had funds to preserve that stuff and then maybe even raise funds so they could um, purchase more Texas centric important things like that. So anyway, I was still at Tandy at the time. They approached us about um, supporting it, and, and Tandy did a little bit. But then they found out that I was a leather worker. And that, uh, and I don't know if you've watched the Lonesome Dove series. I, if you haven't, shame on you. It's the my <laughs> team the, best, the best Western ever put together. Um, but anyway, it's about the cattle drive that started out in, in Texas. And it went across the country and uh, ended up uh, in Montana. And in fact, old Gus, who was um, uh, the one of the main characters in there, uh, uh, he... Uh, he died in Mile City, Montana, where I grew up, and uh, in the movie, anyway. So when they found out that that's where I learned to do leather work, but here I am now living in Texas, they said, man, that would be really a cool thing if you could do something. And so 
I did this picture, um, a, a carving. It was, I had some floral corners on it. I stuck a dove in there, of course, and I took their logo and put it in the center of it and uh, left uh, some space around the outside. And they had that cast and crew um, autograph that. Um, oh, and so that's, that's cool. And then they auctioned that off at their fundraiser. And that piece of leatherwork ended up selling for like $28,000. Um, it oh, was wow. uh, uh, crazy. Anyway, before I handed it off to them, I got some photos made of it. And I've got some posters. So I might bring some of those in case anybody would like to hang I'd one like on the wall. In the shop. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Kind of a neat thing. And I can. Uh, sure and bring an offer for me, Jim. <laughs> I, I will. I'll, I'll, I have several. I'll bring that along. But. Yeah, I've done a few things like that. A lot of my leather work, um, I don't, I don't sell stuff anymore. Um, I, I don't make stuff for people. I, I make stuff and give it away sometimes, um, like that. I didn't make a dime off of that. That was purely my time and donation there. I've done other things like that and will again. Um, but it's, uh, it's kind of a kind of privilege to, to be able to do and use the the gifts that I've been given um, to. Um, yeah, to to I guess enrich other people's lives. You know, that I get more out of that than whatever I might be, think I can slide into my pocket from that. I, it's it's a lot more fun. I got a neat piece of leatherwork that just arrived. Uh, was it last week or the week before? You might have seen pictures of it. Um, this and again, there's a story with this. There was a lady up in um, up in Missouri that was uh, visiting a thrift store. Um, and uh, was looking for some picture frames, and she happened to knock over this stack of picture frames, and in there was this one pic frame that had a piece of leather in it. And she said, you know, that's really different. I'm just going to buy that. It wasn't about the frame. She just thought that piece of leather was different. So she started, uh, when she got it home, she looked at it, and it was signed. It had this guy had carved his name into it. it his name was Ken Griffin. No way. And, uh, and so she started, she posted it out on Facebook, Wanted to know, does anybody know who this is? Or, you know, she got into some of the leather groups. Well, a lot of them pointed that uh, pointed her toward me. And eventually we ended up talking um, uh, and uh, and ended up horse trading. Uh, we I traded her. Um, I'm going to do a book cover for one of her books. And uh, that's uh, in, in exchange for that. She sent me this piece of leather. Well, what this piece of leather is. Um, I don't know if you've got to be an old guy like me, but um, to have this stuff. But I, one of Ken Griffin's very first pieces of work that he did was a pattern pack called The Art of Leather Carving. It was published in 1949, and it was some patterns that are big old patterns that are stuck inside of an envelope. And that envelope has some art on the front of it. And the border that's on that is this same piece of leather that I have. This piece of leather, and I, I mean, I got out there with like a magnifying glass and I'm comparing like <laughs> decorative cuts and, and mule's foot impressions and things like that. This is that piece of leather wow. from 1949. And, and it's just amazing. And then I dug a little deeper and I have here, uh, here's some history for you, uh, Casey. Uh, Tandy leather was, as you know, formerly known as uh, Hinkley Tandy leather. When they were first starting out, they, yeah, yeah, they were, a, and they, they were in the shoe findings business. Right. And uh, then eventually they, uh, the Tandy side of that, they decided they were going to open these stores and, and sell stuff, supplies to those that wanted to work with leather. And so in 1950, they produced the very first catalog and I have it here on the front of it. It says Tandy Leather Company, successor to Hinkley Tandy Leather Company. 
And this catalog came out in 1950. And guess what art is around the border of that? It's this piece <laughs> of leather I have here. Cool. I have that very first piece of leather. So I'll bring that along with uh, when I come up there so you can see uh, a little bit of the history of our craft. It's it's really an amazing piece. And I'll, I'll bring along the this whole catalog just to show folks where it might have come from. But I have a lot of that kind of stuff. Oh, my gosh, I got a lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> what happened to Jim? Huh? Hey, your audio is kind of messing up. Are we still uh, on speaker? I, I'm still on speaker. Can you hear me? Yeah, well, we can oh. hear you. It's just real low. Oh, Sounds okay. like you're in a tin can, Jim. Well, let me, uh, huh. I might have been, I was over in a corner there in my shop. I'm, I'm, yeah, I was walking around. I, can, does that sound any better? Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. Okay. Anyway, I'll bring along that and a few other things. I, what I was mentioning is I actually have Ken Griffin's tools that he did that work with, too. Wow. Um, way, way back when. I, this stuff just has, and that's one of the other amazing things about Elk Track Studio. When I built this and, and started putting up all this stuff that I got in here, people around the country said, you know, I got this thing. It, it belonged to my dad or my granddad or whatever. And um, would you like it? And, you know, the people just send me stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm not disappointed by it. It's just yeah, my walls. I thought I made this shop plenty big enough for all I'd ever want to do. And it has shrunk. Um, <laughs> it has shrunk. So now, so how'd you come across J Ken's tools? Okay. Uh, another story. Um, <laughs> when Ken Griffin died, he was out in California and his wife, Roberta Griffin, uh, um, contacted the Autry Museum out there and she sold to them uh, a few pieces of leatherwork that he had as well as his tools. And they actually ended up being bought by the guy that was the director of the, the museum. His name is James Notting. Um, and uh, and they, they were in his personal collection. A uh, number of years later, he moved on to be the executive director of the Idle George Museum in Indianapolis. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's one of the most prominent Western art museums in the country. And uh, he was there. There he ran into and became friends with a, fr a, a friend of mine, a guy by the name of John Kelly. He's been in, in quite a few of my classes as well. And, uh, you know, they got talking about leatherworking and stuff like that. And and uh, he said, you know, I got this stuff. I got it from uh, from Ken Griffin, his wife. I don't know if you ever heard of him. And he's, oh, yeah, I've heard of him. He said, yeah, I, I, I need to do something with that. It, it shouldn't just be in my collection. It should be, you know, should do something with it. So anyway, uh, my friend John Kelly bought that that those tools and and actually I have a carving or two that are out of the his other book, Ken Griffin's scrapbook. I have those carvings as well. And anyway, he uh, so he bought them and then uh, I think it was maybe the maybe it was the last time they had a Sheridan show uh, up there. And he's in another room. Uh, he, uh, you know, in somebody else's class, but he comes out of his class when he saw I was there. He said, "Oh, you got to come in here. I got something to show you." You know, and so he he pulls out this uh, bunch of tools from Ken Griffin, and I said, "Oh gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh!" You know, <laughs> and he did that just to rub it in. I know he did, but anyway, long story longer, he uh, ended up uh, made the decision even then that those needed to come here, yeah, because he knew of my um, my appreciation of Ken Griffin. Um, and uh, so he, he sold them to me. So that's how they got into my possession. Um, along with that came a group of tools that were made by Ray Poya as well. I have some of his tools. Um, my infatuation with Ken Griffin, um, 
he actually might have a lot to do with why I'm in leatherworking. Um, along the lines, he was a magician. I don't know. Most people don't know that, but he um, <laughs> he was a magician. He started out as a saddle maker. He was a pretty good saddle maker, but he ended up out in California where he fell in love with magic. And he became pretty uh, famous uh, as a magician. I actually have one of his posters from his his uh, uh, magic show here as well. But he, um, when his kids got uh, like to high school age, they, he decided, you know, it's, having these kids on the road while they're, you know, going through school, it's just not good for them. He said, I, we need to go settle down for a while till they get, you know, past that. And so he uh, inquired of one of his friends who lived in Mile City, a guy by the name of John uh, Carl Wilson. Um, and uh, they had worked together at some point in the past. Anyway, Carl said, oh, yeah, come on up here. We got lots of saddle shops and, you know, somebody with your ability, you could get a job right away. Well, yep, that's exactly what he did. He went up there and went to work for the Mile City Saddlery. And uh, and it would have been he was there for, I don't know, probably eight years, something like that. I'm guessing at that. I'm not sure how long he was there. But uh, while he was there, uh, obviously, he was the foremost tooler that had ever been there. And so his style of leatherwork, well, he influenced the kind of leatherwork that was seen around there. It's It would have been his style of leatherwork that I would have first seen that said, man, I'd like to do that when I grew up. Um, so and in fact, I have a saddle here that was made by him. It was built in 1951 that uh, somebody gave to me, and it's it's just pretty cool. Um, but anyway, that that's why uh, he has always been somebody I've looked up to and admire because you know he and all of these other names that I've thrown out they've all influenced me. Um, yeah, they they all have. Um, so anyway, that is uh, I do got a, a. I know you've you've probably done. A bunch of different interviews you know i heard john lost trade not too long ago um what is something that you would like to share that no one has ever asked you about <laughs> i don't know it may be a, an absolute secret but believe it or not i like to hunt um i don't know <laughs> really <laughs> yeah, in particular i like to hunt elk um oh, i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, that may have been kept a secret. No, um, I don't know that there's anything um, there that's. I, I mean, I've been an open book. I, I when people ask a question, you got to be careful. I'm liable to give you an answer. You know, I, <laughs> um, and sometimes there's a story connected with that, and um, you know the. So I I don't know that there's anything that you know has been just a burden on me to get uh, get shared. Um, it's uh, like I said, I'm, I'm an open book. I, I actually believe I, I used to be for many of the years, I was the face of Tandy at all these different leather shows. Uh, when I'd go out to uh, Sheridan and all that, I was running the Tandy booth and I was the guy that was at the guild shows and so forth. I was I was Mr. Tandy as far as a lot of the leatherworking world knew. And uh, it uh, um, it became uh uh, uh, a, a regular thing that people would come up to and say, you know, you got the best job in the world. I mean, you get to do this. You get to <laughs> live and work in the world of leatherworking. You make a living at it. I mean, oh my gosh, that has got to be the, you got to be the luckiest guy ever. And, and you know what? They were right. I, I, I was, I, I did have that job. I had that job. Everybody else would have loved to have had. And now that I'm retired, um, I, I feel uh, obligated to pass on that knowledge. In fact, 
if I was not like that, if I was going to hoard all of this stuff, all the neat things that I've got here and, and all this knowledge I have and, you know, just kind of hunker down in my backyard and not go out, I, the whole world would just be more than welcome to, um, to say, shame on you, Jim Linnell. Shame on you. You, you got to do what nobody else has gotten to do and, and you're not going to pass that on. Shame on you. So I, I really do feel obligated mm-hmm. um, to do the teaching and, and the sharing. And you know, I, I don't want any I don't want to take to my grave a whole lot of knowledge that's still stuck in my head. Um, I know too many that have done that. So, Jim, I know that you have actually done some one on one courses with our very own John Baker. Uh, uh-huh. How many how many Okies have come down? To, uh, <laughs> to spend some time with you at Elk Track so far? I, I, I don't know that I know. <laughs> yeah. The whole guild come down for a deal um, once. Um, here, we, we, we did a, like a two-day uh, workshop here at Elk Tracks, and, and I think we had like that whole guild come down once. Yeah, the Oklahoma Chisel Trail Guild. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. There's a lot. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot, um, but I, I couldn't even begin to tell you. Um, he's one of the more recent, you know, uh, certainly, yeah. but, but, uh, but yeah. There's I had a, a customer it, in here yesterday, Jim. He was shopping for some purse leather, and I got to talking. I said, where are you from? He said, well, we just moved up here from Granbury. And I said, well, you know, we do classes and stuff like that, because he had said he's kind of new. He goes, oh, yeah, I did a personal class with a, a guy you might have heard of named Jim Linnell. I said, well, as a matter of fact, he'll be here this weekend. You ought to come by and say hi. I mean, it's just it's funny how interlocked all this is. It really is. Um, we, uh, it, it, well, it, it's a small community, really. Uh, it, um, leather working, uh, leather workers are weird. Um, and, well, and by that, I mean, well, we, we have our own language. I mean, we could, yeah, you start, start talking about ounces of leather and you start talking about, you know, uh, uh, oh yeah. All of these different kind of terms and such, and you don't run across people that can talk with you about those kind of things, you know? And so it's really, when we get together, it's, it is almost like a family reunion when we get leather workers together. Um, it, it really does. It, it's a small community. And, and yes, a lot of people know a lot of other people or they hear of them. And I think, you know, um, I think the Internet has been a really a good thing. I obviously I grew up at a time and tried to learn leather work when none of those kind of things were available. I my best teacher was a guy by the name of Trial and Error. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes he was an expensive teacher because, you know, if you don't learn the first time, um, you, it can be expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, today, my goodness, um, the ability to sit down at your computer and basically um, see and learn, uh, it, it's just unbelievable. I did a one of my other ventures, I, I actually got to teach a, a, for about a week at an Arts and Crafts Institute in Vigo, Spain. Um, it's up in the northwest part of Spain. And they have this, this Arts and Crafts Institute where they um, are basically about preserving their heritage, keeping you know those things that are important to their culture and, and keeping those alive and such. And I got invited in to teach because, you know, we... Believe it or not, the kind of leather work we do here in Western America 
is the envy of a lot of the world. Um, they see that and think that, oh my gosh, you know, these guys, th- this is this is the where it all began. So anyway, they wanted me to share. And <laughs> a funny story, um, flying from, from Dallas-Fort Worth to Vigo, Spain is a, an adventure. Um, it's a nonstop flight. I think I got went from here to Madrid and that's probably like 14 hour flight. And then um, and then you you know change planes there in another two hours over to the closest airport to where Vigo, Spain is, and then from there you have about a an hour's ride in a vehicle. So, and I don't sleep well on planes. Um, so uh, I was pretty pretty wore out. Started here one day, got there you know midday the next day, and um, they uh, guy picked me up and he he took me to the hotel where I was going to stay, and he said. Um, we're going to have a little reception for you this evening, uh, you know, later on today. So if you want to get rested up, you know, uh, and uh, we'll come by and pick you up. And I said, okay, well, I did get showered up, but that's about all I did. I didn't get rested. So I, he comes, I picks me up and we go in uh, to this little reception and walk into this room. And there's like 80 some people in this room. Um, <laughs> And there's television cameras in this room and there's newspaper reporters from the local newspaper <laughs> in this room. And you know what? None of them spoke my language. They all are speaking, speaking Spanish and I don't speak Spanish, you know, but I did have a translator there. But um, and so it's, it's a lot of these same kind of questions. How would you get started and why do you love leather work? And, you know, a lot of those kind of interview type questions. And, and so I, I can roll those off pretty easy now. Um, but one of the a lot of these people that were there were the professors and the and the students of this school. And uh, one of the professors asked a question. He said, um, what do you think about the Internet? Do you think that's good for crafts like ours? And, man, that was uh, I had to I had to stop and think for a minute about, all right, how do I answer this? Um, and uh, so uh, I am what I told him, I said, you know, I think. I think it's both good and bad, um, and I, I'll tell you, I'll qualify that. I said I think, I think it's good in that uh, I've seen leatherwork in recent years, and still to this day, I see leatherwork every day. That is the most amazing stuff I've ever seen in my life, and it comes from all over the world. I mean, my my idea of what leatherwork is has changed a lot from when I fell in love with it up in Montana. And, and it's because I have access to and I can see leatherwork. And I've traveled, too. I mean, I've seen it in person, but the Internet lets anybody see this, this leatherwork. And I said, in that regard, I think it's great. But I said, I, I think it can be bad. And I said, let me qualify that. I said, uh, you know, one of the things that is so easy to do is just this thing called YouTube. And you can go learn anything you want out there. I mean, you can you can learn um, really how to do just about anything you want by watching a video on YouTube. The problem is you don't know if they know what they're talking about or not. They may be just really good at, at producing a really clever video that's engaging and makes you want to give it a try. But it may not be the best way to do it. And I, you know, we're talking about my private classes and such that I do. A lot of times I have to unteach people things that they somebody on the Internet said, this is how you do this. And this is the way I've been doing it. And it never works for me. Well, you know why? It's the wrong dang way to do it. <laughs> um, and, and but when when you have a beginner that is really earnestly wanting to to learn this stuff. Um, 
Hang on, somebody's trying to call me. Was that an elk bugle? It was an elk bugle. <laughs> yeah, that was my phone, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Um, anyway, um, the uh, I told myself when you're watching it, uh, beginners looking for instruction and help like that, they don't know if the person that they're looking listening to started doing leather work last week or if they've been doing it for 20 years. They don't know whether they're learning the correct way or not. And I said, in that regard, I think it can hinder. I, I, yeah, it scares me that there's people out there that that caught some clever video and said, oh, I can do that. And they tried it and it didn't work and they threw away their tools and decided, you know, this is not for me. I can't do this. Um, and that breaks my heart to think that that happened. And I think it does. So I think that's the bad side of that. But, you know, and when I answered it that way to this professor that was um, – that was asking the question, all I saw was him nodding his head in agreement, because I, I think that's exactly the frustration he'd run. I think he was doing book binding or something like that, but same thing, you know. And so my counsel today for folks that want to get into leatherwork, if you're wanting a, uh, the, this, the secret from Jim here, um, is that I think you have to find somebody whose work that you respect and admire, and you learn from that person until you understand how to do the basics so you have a good solid foundation it's really tough to go get um, to learn a little from this guy and a little from that guy and a little from four others it's like putting a jigsaw puzzle together and then trying to have it make sense and you're getting pieces out of four different boxes to try to do that mm -hmm. uh, it isn't going to work but if you'll get a solid foundation then i think people should take as many classes as they can once they've got a good solid foundation i think that there's never been such availability of good instruction to learn this craft. So um, I really think people should, but but don't don't try to build a foundation with fragments from different places. Build a solid foundation and then build on. What well, what is one of the things that you had to help somebody unlearn that they they kind of learned the wrong way to do? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> which tool do you want to pick on? The swivel knife, the beveler, the uh, one of the more common ones just drives me nuts uh, is is teaching people to use a swivel knife. It is the most important of the tools that you'll ever know. It, it's the beginning of every design you're ever going to carve into a piece of leather. And I've seen people teach that once you put a knife into the leather, you can't pick it up until you finish that cut. And it doesn't matter if it goes around the circle three times. You still got, you can't do that. And I've seen people frustrated because they can't make it do that. Um and you know what? That's a stupid way to learn to do leather work. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, I think that somebody should learn to do leather work in the way that produces results that they like. My goal always in every beginner's class that I ever teach is not to show people how good I am. My, my goal is to show them how easy it is. I want them to walk away um, from any class that I ever teach saying, you know, I, I can do this. Um, I, I can do this. this I, I understand, you know, and that's my goal as a teacher is to make sure that they walk away with that confidence in, in their leather work so that they, they will try it again. I used to say this to um, when I was a regional manager for Tandy, and, and it's still true today. The most important class that ever, ever gets taught is a beginner's class because um, so many times <clears> – <throat> And I know this to, to be a fact. We used to sell tons of beginner's kits at Tandy Leather. And if, you know, every one of those people that ever bought a beginner's kit had stuck with it and become, you know, 
really avid leather workers, man, oh man, that'd be one of the richest companies in the world, but they didn't. <laughs> and the reason they didn't is because they, a lot of these folks took it home, looked that, at it, read the book, gave it a try. It didn't work. And that stuff got thrown under a bed. Um, yet they never, never did it. But the reason it's the most important class is the beginner's class is because when somebody buys a new set of tools or somebody is enthused about getting it, uh, they're excited. They're going to give it their best effort and so forth. And if that very first class they have, if that very first effort re- produces some results that they're a little bit proud of, they're going to do it again. But if that very first effort meet, is met with frustration and, and, they say, oh, and they throw up their hands and say, oh, no, I, I, I can't do this. You know how hard it'll be to get that same excitement in them again that they started that first project with? You can't do it. That's why that's the most important class that'll ever be taught anywhere. That's the one that will get somebody started in leatherwork, or maybe not, if they don't get that. You know what I used to do here in Oklahoma City? I would put a coupon in every starter kit that says you are entitled to one free basic carving class. Just bring this in with you on a Saturday. And I used to have regional managers chastise me for that. Why don't? You, why are you doing that? You need to charge these people. I said, no, we need to give these people a good foundation. I used to take uh, the beginner's kits that I sold. I used to take the swivel knife out and I would polish it up and sharpen it and make sure it was ready to go. Um, because most of the, the instructions that have ever been out there never adequately show how to get a knife ready to work. Um, and, and so I would make sure because you, that frustration will start with that tool right there. Yeah. That's why I think it's so important that they be taught how to be successful with it. Not it's not about what I can do all kinds of neat stuff with a swivel knife. You ought to see me work sometime. Um, but that's not what that's not what people uh, need to learn. They they need to learn how to do it themselves. So with all of these classes, whether the online or in person classes that you're doing, do you uh, have time to still do custom orders, or do you just do stuff no. specifically for classes? I don't do any custom orders. I have right now, um, uh, I have some projects that are on my list to do. I have, a, um, I have a, I got to do a portrait of a horse. Uh, my niece, um, uh, a horse that was a very um, decorated show horse that they had uh, that their, their da- daughter grew up with, it died, and they wanted to preserve that memory, and, and they wanted Uncle Jim to, to do that, so I'm <laughs> going to do that. I'm not going to sell that. Um, uh, I've got, uh, I just horse traded, I think I just told you, I just this this vintage piece of leather work that is just priceless, in my opinion. I'm going to do a, a book cover for a lady and, and send it to her, um, so I'm going to do that. I've got one of the other projects, um, I'll just give you a hint that the next international federation of leather guild show is going to be held here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And the local guild said, um, has basically asked me to do a carving that will be the cover of their program. And, um, anyways, uh, so I'll do that for them, but I don't, all that stuff will be given away. I don't, I don't do stuff for sale basically. Um, because I, 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 I don't want it to ever, not continue to be fun um and it isn't that there's uh, there's not people that would like to buy a piece of my work i get hit up all the time you know to to sell something but um 
the, the most valuable thing I can do is pass on my love and passion and enthusiasm for leatherworking. If I can, if I can infect somebody with that, this goes on a lot longer and lives a lot longer than any piece of leatherwork I ever do will. Um, you know, that's, that's important to me. Um, I'd like to leave some footprints behind when I'm done doing this. I'd like to have, uh, have made leatherworking better for mm. those that come along. Um, I like those that I've taught to take what I've shared with them and then build upon it and make it better than I ever dreamed it could be. Um, that, that, that's, if you want to know what I, my, my ultimate goals are, that's it. I, I, I want to see it. The, the best leather work that's ever been done is being done today. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, we've got better tools today. We've got better leathers. We've got better uh, instruction. We don't have to start out from scratch like Ken Griffin did and make our own tools. We, we got access to all kinds of uh, equipment and knowledge. And, and all we got to do now is, is take it to the next level. Um, it, it's going to be exciting to see what the next generation perceives leather work to be. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. And you've paved, paved the way for a lot of us people. And just about everybody knows your name. And I mean, it's, it's great. And it's only going to get greater. Um, couldn't agree more. I, I, mm-hmm. I got when I did this piece of leather work for the um, the Lonesome Dub reunion, um, the local TV station, Good Morning Texas, they, they found out about it. And so they come out and did a show in my shop, which was pretty cool. And uh, uh, that, of course, you know, those folks that do those shows, they they look around and they they try to get like two or three relevant questions. But they're just basically stupid. They don't know anything about leather work. <laughs> Seriously, they don't. I mean, it, it's. You know, they might own a pair of boots and they might have bought a belt once, but, you know, that's about the size, but they have no clue about what goes into it. Anyway, they come in here and, and I do have some neat stuff here, I got to admit. And their they, their mouth fell open. They said, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And, and, you know, and they're looking around here at all this stuff and they said, well, that's not what we expected. And anyway, so the, the interview starts and I had some of the more prominent pieces out here where they could pan to them and see them and stuff like that. And. They're asking me all these again, you know, how'd you get started and you know, what do you love about it? And all those kind of interview type questions. And but the gal made the mistake of saying, well, isn't this a dying art? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. You want to light me up? Um, that's, <laughs> that, I mean, I, I, so I I I kind of educated them that no it's anything but <laughs> I, I said the best leather work that's ever been done is being done today and i went through that litany just a little bit and they said well look at the stuff where you've got these animals standing out and stuff like that and i said that's nothing new i mean saddlemakers been doing that forever they've been stretching leather over over uh, the swells of a saddle i mean that I, all i'm doing is using those same qualities that leather has always had and I'm using it a little differently, but I didn't invent the idea of, of molding and shaping leather. I mean, look at a holster. I mean, a well-made holster is molded and shaped. Anyway, I went off on them, you know, just that it's not new. What we're doing now is we're, we're taking it on to the next thing. And I basically said, without saying it like this, I said, um, the reason you think it's done is because you don't live in the world that I live in. I mean, if you live in the world I live in, oh, my gosh. Leatherwork has never been so widely popular 
and and mm-hmm. so many people doing it uh, as ever as there is today. It it's just amazing. And I um, anyway, I don't know if I infected them with with that. I did get a lot of comments about it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, anyway. well, Jim, we don't want to keep you all day. Um, we really. I mean, we do, so but we're not going to. Well. Yeah. Come over to Casey's. Come over to you'll Casey's store this week. weekend, and you'll hear me tell a few more stories. Jim, I got to run. Uh, today's the day the adoption becomes final on our two little ones, and that that meeting is about to happen. So I'm going to leave it to Dustin and Melissa to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. I I saw that post from uh, on on Facebook this morning. Congratulations, by the way. I can hardly focus on work. It's just such a <laughs> I, day. And, and nothing but wife, on respect for you and your wife uh, for what you do. My wife mentioned to me this morning that it was on this very same day many many years ago that i can't remember how many that we the final ace the adoption was final on our first four adopted kids so it's really? kind of cool that it's the same day so yeah mm-hmm. i gotta run but Do- uh, dustin's gonna talk a little bit about beers and brats and i'll let you right. it up and i'll see you sometime friday afternoon all right see you there i'll, I'll be there when we, when we get there all right bye guys all right so jim uh, yes. Even though everybody listening and tuning into this will probably already know and follow you on Facebook, but just in case there's somebody out there that does not know, where can people find you, uh, find your classes, what is, uh, social medias are you on? Um, yes, the, the, the places that are most reliable, and I, I'll, I'll be honest with you that I don't do a good job of, of of keeping um, all of my calendars up to date online. But where I do announce things is on, um, I have a, there's a Facebook group called Elk Track Studio Creations. um, And so I usually post it there. Um, I also post uh, things like that. Um, We have another one that that belongs to the Elk Track Studio. It's called Jim Linnell's Elk Track Studio. And we post things there. Mm-hmm. And then the other places uh, uh, I might mention it earlier is the to go to my website, uh, the the web my website that the website for Elk Track Studio is called it's elktrackstudio.com. and if you'll go there, there's a a place for you to sign up for our newsletter, and we send out a newsletter um, at least once a month, sometimes more if we have time to do it. But and we uh, there we also list then all of the upcoming classes that are both online and in person and, and so forth. Um, I'll be teaching um, just uh, FYI. I've got, I think, four classes that I'll be teaching at Sheridan this year. Um, so I'm, I'm on that. If you go to their, um, to their, uh, to the Leathercrafters Journal's uh, uh, website, you can see all of the classes that are being offered there. So if anybody's going there, you can catch me there for sure. Yeah, I might uh, be going to your, Friday afternoon swivel knife class. Here you go. That yeah. one, and sign up early because that one s- sells out. I, I just did that class out in Prescott. Mm-hmm. Prescott was at the end of February. The class itself sold out before the end of December. Um, and mm-hmm. I, all the space. And so they, we booked another one. We found an evening that I could, could do it where there's classroom empty. So we did another one and that one sold out as well. So um, I, I, there's a little more space up there in Sheridan, but um, I would still encourage you to sign up early. You might miss out. Yeah. I, I, they, cause they just posted on Sunday, I believe. I, uh-huh. I haven't checked it since then, but I mean, I yeah, think it, there, was, it, there was still like 14 positions or something or uh, slots left. Then, okay. So. And that room holds about 30. So you can see it's, it's moving, moving along. <laughs> 
already. So, um, I, it, for whatever reason, there's a lot. I when I teach that um, swivel knife class, I'll often ask people, you know, how long you've been doing leatherwork. And I've been Prescott. I had people raise their hand that had been doing it for over 25 years. And I said, what in the <laughs> heck are you guys doing here? You know, if you've been doing leatherwork that long. And, and their honest answer is that we never had instruction. We had to figure it out on our own. And, you know, most people have never, ever had, like, straight up, here's the right way to use a swivel knife. Here's how mm-hmm. you make it work the way it's supposed to. Most people just get it and then try to figure out how to use it, you know. And and I, I get that a lot. You know, people that I would think, that, golly, they, surely they know what they're doing by now. Mm-hmm. But, awesome. Well, so much for coming on today, Jim. We really Jim, it's been a it. pleasure. Well, been my joy. I, obviously, I love talking about leathercraft um, and about the, about the work. It's 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 been my life, so it's never hard to get me to to, to share <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, we would for sure like to have you on again sometime in the future. Well, no problem. I just uh, let me know, and you know, you're welcome to ask it and throw any any of those kind of questions you want. I'll I promise I'll. I'll have a story connected with them, I'm sure. Awesome. And before we get off here, uh, Casey slid me a note before he walked out the door. He said, this Sunday, April 3rd at 3 p.m. here at Traditions, we will be having a uh, we'll have a meet and greet with you here over beers and brats. Casey is uh, bringing the brats, but it's BYOB, bring your own beer or whatever okay. kind of beverage you want. Uh, this is, and uh, I think he he wrote down. It starts at three. The Brox will hit the grill at four, and then he doesn't have an end time. So I, I would say get here before five, at least. And but, I think he had posted on the Facebook page today or yesterday too that if we could have an RSVP, if you know for certain that you'll be there, so he can have an idea of how many brats we need. Right. Yeah. If you're in the Oklahoma Leathercrafters group and you're listening to this. Go into the group, find my post, and just comment that you're you plan on coming. That way, we know how much brats we need. So, with that, thank you so much, Jim. It was an honor having you on, and we look forward to next time. You Melissa, bet. Do you have any closing statements? No, just th- thank you so much. You are you are as humble to speak to as you are talented i've really appreciated this podcast well i enjoy it obviously and i look forward to seeing (laughs) y'all this weekend oh yeah yes sir i'll be here on sunday all right all right wonderful so much melissa do your join us join (laughs) us next week for another episode of bespoke oklahoma we will talk to you soon bye bye Said it once, say it again How many times I told ya I know this stuff because I'm from the great state of Oklahoma